0: From the last weekend of July until this weekend, we have, of course, been making our way bit by bit, verse by verse, through the entirety of John chapter six, Jesus' most controversial sermon he ever gave, of course, known as the Bread of Life Discourse. Today, we come to a kind of dramatic end of this five-year reflection we have every three years on John chapter six. Of course, last week, we paused, on a reflection from John 6, as we celebrate the great feast of our Blessed Mother Assumption Sunday, or the Feast of the Assumption, I should say. But what we would have heard last week, had we not celebrated the Assumption, is, in many ways, the meat and potatoes of John chapter 6. Listen to some of the things you would have heard last week, had we not celebrated the Feast of the Assumption. This only then makes today's gospel make any kind of sense. Jesus said this last weekend, well actually 2,000 years ago, but you would have heard it last weekend. He said this, uh, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you do not have life within you. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. It's evident that this would be the most controversial thing that Jesus would ever have said in a sermon. But how did the disciples respond to that? Did they say, okay, gotcha, easy peasy, right on? No. In fact, the opening line of today's gospel is the response. This saying is hard. Who can accept it? They don't believe him. How can this man give us his flesh to eat, they ask. Now what I want to point out, everyone, is Jesus is given ample opportunities to pause And to say, hey, let me clarify a few things for you. But what does he do when they say this saying is hard? Does he explain it away? Does he soften his language? Everyone, we of course know that he does the exact opposite, doesn't he? When given the chance to clarify, to soften, to explain it away, our Lord doubles down, turns up the heat. Whatever analogy you want to use is what he does. He then says... In case you missed it, my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Jesus is given chance after chance to say, hey, listen up. I'm speaking in a metaphoric way. I'm speaking symbolically. You don't understand. Let me explain it again. But he doesn't do it ever. He doesn't do it. I don't know if you've had this experience i know that i have in conversations about our teaching regarding the real presence of christ in the eucharist but oftentimes in visiting with non-catholic uh, christian brothers and sisters of ours this is one thing i've just never been able to understand maybe you can but i just can't maybe you can help me out it goes like this if jesus when speaking about his flesh and blood was speaking in a symbolic way and by the way Jesus often spoke symbolically, didn't he? He would say things like, I am the vine, you are the branches. Does that mean that he was a physical vine? No. He was speaking metaphorically. Jesus spoke in metaphors. He also said he's the good shepherd. Does that mean, poof, he became a shepherd? No. He's speaking how? Metaphorically. So you might be asking, then how do we know he's not speaking metaphorically, symbolically when he says, I am the bread of life, my flesh is true food, my blood is true drink. How do we know that this is not a metaphor? Let me ask you this. When Jesus said that he is the vine or the good shepherd, did anyone leave him because he said that? Did anyone say he's lost his mind, we're out of here? No. No. It was only when he said that his flesh is true food and his blood is true drink that they left him. Why? What does that indicate? That his hearers knew, those who heard him knew, this is something starkly different. This is something sharply different. This is something distinctly realistic that he is referring to. And when he doubles down, We're told, everyone, for the first time in Scripture, the first time recorded in the Gospels, actually it's one of the only times ever recorded, where we have active followers of Jesus, not Joe Schmoes, active followers of Jesus who have already left everything to follow him. Leave him over this topic. Leave him over this way of speaking. Now, I hope we all know, and it's important for us to think, to be historically minded in this next move I want to make regarding this topic but the church from the very beginning has stood firm on this foundation that Christ is present body blood soul and divinity the church has never wavered ever there have been movements every century or so in the church to try to explain this doctrine away and for 2000 years the church alone has stood firmly on the words of Jesus why? because this is not something we invented. This is not some medieval, middle age thing that a bunch of guys in Rome came up with. This is about interpreting the words of Jesus, how the apostles interpreted them, and how the early church interpreted them. Now, we know the stats, right, everyone? A couple years ago, the Pew Research Center, one of the leading think tanks in the country, whatever that means, but they researched this, and they interviewed Catholics. They took a survey of self-identified Catholics. In the numbers, the results were a bit sobering for us as Catholics. They found out that 7 out of 10, according to my Williston math, at 70%. 7 out of 10 self-identified Catholics said, I do not believe in the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. 7 out of 10 That means then 3 out of 10 do. Hold on to that number and let's pivot. What is the national average of Catholics going to Mass each Sunday? What is the local number percentage of Catholics going to Mass each Sunday? It's the same. 25-30% of Catholics are faithful to Sunday Mass week after week. Might there be a correlation Might there be a correlation where people say, I do not believe, might not come and people that do believe come. How could there be a correlation? Because if I don't believe this stuff, why come? Who cares? But if I do believe, there is only one response and it is a response of the Apostles. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of everlasting life. The only Logical response we can make to this great gift of the Eucharist is what we're doing right now, coming together to celebrate Mass. And if we're part of the 70% who have a hard time understanding, you're not alone. The Apostle said, This saying is hard. Who can accept it? Maybe we could prayerfully read through John 6. Maybe we could come to Mass more, go to Eucharist Adoration, dive into the early church teaching, and we'll see that for 2,000 years, the church has been consistent in this teaching. She always has been, and she always will be. Thanks be to God.